0: Praise the Lord. I, it's so good to be back home. Um, uh, just, thank you. I just came back from Guatemala. I tell you, I work on my Spanish. And uh, I'm getting really good. So be afraid. I might be moving down to Guatemala here. If I can speak it, you know. But uh, uh, but we had a great, great uh, uh, tea, uh, uh, time there in the Lord. Wonderful, wonderful church. Um, um, doing some amazing things all over um, Guatemala and also across just uh, really across the world with Pastor Hector uh Their worship service was phenomenal. You know, people, just uh, the presence of of the Lord in in those services was just so rich. People that are very, very uh, open to God's presence in their lives. And, you know, we went to bless them, but we came back more blessed. Then actually, you know, what we brought out, we came back with more out of it. I'll maybe in a few weeks, I'll share a few pictures, more exciting things. Uh, one of the reasons I was there, you know, preaching several services, but uh, they ran about seven services over the weekend. And so they got us working because they preach a different message in each service because they have a radio station that... Uh, Broadcast all the the, the the messages, so they give a different message. They say, "Hey, you're preaching in three services. You got to have three messages for three services." I'm like, "Wow, well, you're working me than they do at Lincoln, Nebraska." You know, <laughs> but uh, but God is good. God is good. Um, uh, but one of the main reasons we're there is talking about church planning. How many know that we're living in the last days? If you don't, you open your Bible, go read Luke chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, and it wouldn't take much to put two and two together and realize that we are the clock is ticking. And as the clock is ticking, we need to be active as God's people to do what He called us to do and get more people saved. Some people hear the last days and they get all panicking and afraid. Oh, things are going to get so bad. No. In fact, Jesus said, for us who are in Christ, when we begin to see these things, it's time to look up and rejoice, because our salvation joys is nigh. Amen? So it's a time to rejoice. I'm excited, because the promises of the last days are incredible. The Bible says that in the last days, God says, uh, through Joel the prophet, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. That our sons and our daughters will prophesy. There will be a great move of the Holy Spirit during the last days. Yes, there will be more sinful things, more wars, more stuff that would be crazy. But in the middle of that, the love of God is going to be demonstrated. The power of God is going to be demonstrated. And for us who are in Christ, it's a time to rejoice and to be extremely excited about the coming of the Lord. Amen? I want us to go to the scripture um, uh, this morning, and I want to read a passage out of Matthew chapter twenty-eight, going continuing with our series, the "Go" series. Let's, uh, our fourth message this morning is called "Go and Tell." Everybody say, "Go and Tell." Go and tell. So, <clears throat> as a, as the a Sabbath, uh, the Sabbath. Yeah, I guess that's where uh, <laughs> it is a Sabbath. But uh, as the uh, as we're celebrating this Palm Sunday we reflecting on that week that Jesus knew was going to fulfill what really brought him to the earth to do, okay? And so, let's read a story here. Um, uh, after uh, Events around surrounding his death and resurrection here. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, After the Sabbath at dawn, this is after the resurrection, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, and the other Mary went to the tomb, to the tomb. There was a violent earthquake and the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. He, the gods were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know you're looking, who you're looking for. You're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go and tell. Come on, say it with me. Go and tell the disciples that he is risen from the dead and that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Now, I have told you. So the women hurried away to the tomb, afraid, but yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, in his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Then the, the words again, Go and tell my brothers to Galilee, that they, are, they will see me. Now, as we look at this story it's coming after the resurrection. What, what is really fascinating, and I encourage you, even during this week of uh, as we're coming upon Easter, read the stories in the Bible. Read, read the different Gospels and see how Mark wrote it, John wrote it. You know, They're the different accounts. You realize that Jesus had already talked to these people, his disciples, about his resurrection. Not 20 million years ago, not when he first came, just the very week before he was crucified, he actually told them that he would die and that he would be in the third day he would rise. And it's amazing to me how final death is to us. We can be praying for someone that maybe has been sick for a long time, believing for healing, waiting for them to recover and all that. But once they die, there's a stamp of finality that comes. And we forget everything. And this happened with Jesus and them. He's telling them what's going to happen. They listen to him. Their idea of resurrection had been maybe in the back then when the end of time comes. But Jesus dies and completely their life is thrown into a spin. It becomes a whole new situation that they are not familiar with. They've been walking with this leader that is absolutely incredible. He debates with the teachers of the law and no one can stand him. When they come up to trick him up, he knows exactly what they're going to say and they, he is respected and drawn to them. And uh, he does miracles. Uh, uh, they have people coming together, thousands coming, they're hungry. And he keeps on teaching. You think I preached for a long time. He went on and on and on. I had to throw in that there. And now, they seem taken so helplessly, just like any mortal man. Arrested and could not help himself. Now remember, at one point, when they came to arrest him, after Judas betrayed Christ and sold him out. One of the disciples got very passionate. And he got his sword and he was going to defend. You're not going to uh, arrest my Savior. And Jesus stopped him. He says, don't you think that I could call my father and he will send 10 thousands of angels and he'll be able to deliver me. Don't you realize that those who live by the sword will die by the sword. So Jesus was not arrested. Jesus was not taken. Jesus was not even killed. He gave his life away. He died my death. And your death so that we can live his life. I'm I'm extremely thankful today when I think about Christ. I am extremely overwhelmed, if I would. Cannot help, but when I think about the gratitude, uh, the the magnitude of God's love. The extent that he went for me. My soul is overwhelmed. I cannot help by worship. My only response is to thank you, Lord. My only response is to praise. My only response is to worship Him. I don't worship because I have to. But I am overwhelmed when I allow that love to sink in into my heart. And I cannot help but worship God and praise God and exalt Him and love on Him and try the very best I can to love Him back. Jesus had an opportunity and he knew what was coming to him. He exactly knew. He knew exactly what was coming to him. He had to go. He had to go through the path of Golgotha, the valley of skulls. He had to go to Calvary. He had to die on the cross. He had to go to that cross. He knew unless he did it, there will be no salvation for humanity. There will be no reconciliation between man and God. And when he had to go, he did not hesitate. When he looked in 2015 and saw you and saw me and saw all of us here, he knew that I had to go. In, In Hebrews chapter 12, it says that Jesus, when he went to the cross, that he despised the shame. Why? He focused on what he was about to do, and that is to save you and me. One goal. When he had to go, he went. He did what he had to do despite of shame. Last week I had listened to Pastor Dustin, did a great job, didn't he? Not ashamed of the gospel. Amen. I thought he's telling that we get ashamed of him. He was indignified for us. He despised even the shame. So if he wasn't ashamed of me, I'm not gonna be ashamed of him. Amen. It's interesting when you read through the passages, and we're not gonna look at all of them. But I saw if you you, you go read for yourself, you have your Bible to read it for yourself. Can I get an Amen? If you don't have one, come to me and I'll give you one today. But when you read the stories around his death and resurrection it's so amazing that every time there was an encounter with jesus after the resurrection when people came to him and saw him the first ones that saw him were the, the, the women mary magdalene mary the mother of uh, james salome and uh, joanna different ones that went in and they and when they met the angel the angel said hey He's not here. I know who you're looking for. Why are you looking for the dead among the living? He is alive. You know. Oh, what did I say? The opposite. Yeah, I was in a Spanish, Spanish-speaking country, and everything is reverse. I'd say something, and they laugh at me. I'm saying, at least I'm trying here. So i turning to Swahili. Yeah, I'm confused with all the languages that I'm trying to. But anyway, he is alive. Then there was an immediate command. He told him to go and tell the disciples. When Jesus shows up to them, all the disciples and the women there, he shows up to himself. In fact, they didn't recognize him at first. Do you know that the disciples even doubted the women when they came at first? Yet they were sitting at the temple just not even a week before. And Jesus had already told them what to expect. When he showed up, he tells them, now you go and tell. There are two disciples. Luke narrates two disciples. After they've waited a few days, the, you know, times, Jerusalem times is sold out. And uh, the story has been going on they decide to go to this village. And as they are walking, Jesus shows up. And they walk with Jesus, not realizing it was Jesus. But yet they feel this powerful presence when they walk with this man. And then Jesus says something, and bang, the revelation comes. That this is Christ. And then you know what he tells them? Go and tell. You know what he tells me? One, After the resurrection, the revelation of Christ, the risen Christ has to come to your heart by the word of God. They knew Christ before, but they didn't know the resurrected Christ. So the disciples who knew Jesus before he was dead did not recognize Jesus when he was resurrected until he spoke the word of God. To them. Then the revelation came. And then he gives them the mandate to say. Hey. What you say. When you reveal me. To others. When you go and tell. About the word of God. Then the revelation of God's word. The revelation of the risen Christ. Will come to their hearts. Then they can believe too. So faith. Immediately after the resurrection. Went through the spoken word of God. I had to go and say, Hey, Micah, Jesus is alive. The one who died three days ago, he is alive. And when I hear that word then, and I see the glory of God, then salvation comes to my heart. That hasn't stopped for 2,000 years. The revelation of Christ, the risen Christ into people's lives, comes only through the messengers who have been revealed Christ. You and me, if you know Christ, then you can lead someone else to Jesus. You can tell him that Christ is alive. Why is it so awesome that he is alive? Because the resurrected Christ, he really is alive so that we can truly live. He went on the cross and died for our sins. He died the death that I deserve. He paid the wages for my sin. But I thank God that he did not remain on the grave. He overcame death, hell and the grave. The only one that overcame this power. Why? We can rely on him. Because God can be alive in you even today. His voice can speak to your heart even today. He is able to save anyone. Anyone. Regardless of their past, their nationality, their race, their social status, the poor, the rich, the educated, the uneducated, the simple, the sophisticated. Anyone who attaches their faith in Him, He is able to save Everyone. He conquered your enemies. He conquered my enemies. We have a common enemy, the enemy, the devil, who comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. The life that He gives cannot be explained in simple terms, but is nevertheless powerful to change Lives. That is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That when it's, someone opens their life to the gospel, when someone opens their heart to Jesus, they can get not only all their sins forgiven, all their past washed away, but they can get an infusion of God that enables them to live a new life. That's why the Bible says that when you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new in Jesus' name. That is the life when Jesus, when we're going and telling that He's alive, we're proclaiming a message of new life to people. People are walking around not knowing that there is a God that can infuse life into their heart, that can give them a good new, a new beginning. Jesus being alive indicates that He's a God that gives us new beginnings, endless new beginnings. Peter, one of the disciples had been told by Christ that week that before that before the, call, uh, the, the, um, the rooster will crawl, thank you, Sonny, appreciate it, before the rooster will crawl that he would deny Jesus three times. He says, no way. Even if you're going to die, I'm going to die with you. I love Peter. He was passionate. He was on fire. And Jesus says, no, I tell you the truth. You're going to do that. And he gets confronted after Jesus crucified in a courtyard area. He says, well, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I don't know that guy. So he moves on. Gets another woman says, hey, aren't you one of those guys? (laughs) And the Bible says he starts cursing at them. What are you talking about, people? I have no idea what you're... And the third time, he denies Jesus. And the (laughs) rooster crawls. And the Bible says he runs out and he cries out. He gets very overwhelmed. But guess what? <laughs> when Jesus is a reason, Peter gets a second chance. He's the one that Jesus says, upon you I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what your life has been. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made in your life. Christ alive brings new life to you. Multiple second chances. You might get one second chance with me. Maybe if you're really good, you could get two. But with God, there's unlimited second chances. As long as you're living and breathing, you still have a chance to make things right with God. That's what Jesus being alive means. Because His resurrected life brought newness of life. And Peter who denied Christ, even he was one of the pillars, in fact, the main pillar of the new movement that began after the resurrection. So I want to ask us, if we are to go and tell, we have a world around us. No one will know about this life-saving power of Jesus Christ unless those who have been saved by Him can go and tell them about the Scripture. That's why in one of the prophecies, how can they know unless there is someone who goes and tells them? How? The people that go and tell were not just theologians. People trained in seminaries and know the scriptures from left and right. It was the women, especially the culture that they were living in. you got to understand this. Women were walking on the sidelines those days. Men did all the things and women just watched. But yet they're the first ones that God said, Hey, They're the first ones that discovered that Christ had risen. They even found out before the 12 disciples did. I think what God is trying to say is that going and telling, to go and tell, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to know all, you know. You just have to know know Jesus. Every ordinary believer needs to go and tell. Because it's not the message of the gospel is not how good and how uh, articulate we are in proclaiming it. No, it is the power of God that goes behind the message of Christ being preached, Christ dead, Christ crucified, Christ rising again. That is a powerful message. Seems simple, but it's very powerful to change life. It makes a difference between life and death. It makes a difference between eternity in hell or eternity with the living God. That's the message you and I have carried. Children can proclaim that message and people can still be saved. Ordinary people, the Lord used. What should our attitude be to go and tell? I want to read another story. This is not before Luke chapter 14. In closing, well, my first closing. (laughs) I I realize I'm getting myself in trouble. (laughs) My first closing. So how many closings? I don't know. Luke chapter 14, this is a story that Jesus, um, um, it says that hearing this man, there's, Jesus is at someone's house, maybe I'll come back and explain that later, but let's read the story, so I'll pick it up at verse 15 or 16 here, Jesus replied to this sto- with this story, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations, When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, and the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field, and I must go and inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, Oh, I've just bought five pairs of oxen. I want to go try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife. Ooh, yeah, you got a good thing. So I can't come either. <laughs> Could you please excuse me. Can I paraphrase this in our time? Let me, let me read it again. That, that, that it. So he called all these people to come to the bank when the bank was ready, but they began making excuses. One said, I just bought a brand new house. I need to set up my cable TV. I need to get my phone hooked up. I need to make sure that it looks right. I need to enjoy this. House. Sorry, I can't come. The other guy says, I got a brand new Ferrari. <laughs> Woohoo! hoo yeah. It's compatible. It's got the music. It's just this right. I got to test it out. Got to go all the way to Wyoming where I could go at least 90. <laughs> so sorry, dude. I can't come. Each one of them. Another one says, oh well, I sneezed. I can't come. Guess so, sometimes excuses just can come as like, any, what, oh, it's warm today, too hot. All sorts of excuses. And now I have a wife. Oh, I, I could understand that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Then the servant returned and told the master that they had, what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town. Invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. After the, the servant had done all this, he came and reported. Then he still, there's still more room. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges, ask anyone you find to come. So that they, the house will be full. For none of those I have first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. I see, the master had an interest. And the interest was he wanted the house to be full. He had invited many people to come. And different ones would come up with the craziest excuses. If they could find one, they'll use it. Even if that use the same ticket, they use the same ticket over and over again. It's like, oops, overused. Let me find a new one. Every reason to come. And then the master says, okay, listen, you go get the people that wouldn't have necessarily be invited to the party and call them in. Because I did that already. But There's still some room in the house. Because now I want you to go and find anyone and compel them to come so that the house will be full. I thought it's really all wonderful that he uses those words. God wants us to, when we are going to tell, he wants us to have that kind of attitude, that kind of heart. Because there are people that we invite and invite to the master's banquet, but they will not come. For whatever reason. But he says, go and look beyond. I think when he says the lame and the blind and all this, in other words, think about it this way, those you wouldn't have otherwise even thought would come. Sometimes we look at people and we think, oh well, not them, not this, that. We make the decision for them before we give them the opportunity. Because we think the salvation comes by our persuasiveness or by the kind of show that we put on. It is nonetheless, it comes only by the Spirit of God. God speaks to people through the weirdest circumstances. Places that you would have never guessed. People that you would have never thought. But when God touches their heart, it's not a doing of man. Not a doing of God. Just God. A doing of God. And salvation is a gift of God. And only comes through that. In fact it says so. That unless one is led by the spirit of God. Unless no one says that Jesus is Lord. Unless by the spirit of God. Our job is to go compel them to come. They have to respond. Compelling means that we need to overcome all their arguments. And every reason and excuse. Moving past even our own reluctance. And pushing through those that will firmly reject. And uh, to responding to the call. But in the process of being passionate about that, that we respond, we will find those that will respond. And oftentimes, we will get surprised who does. Because it's never us. God's working on people you don't even know. I love college basketball. It messes with you. I, whenever I try to do the bracket... It's like, oh my goodness, the first day, always, the first day. I'm out the first day. So this year I didn't feel any bracket. I was like, because why? There's so much passion in the youth. There's so much passion in the college sport that you don't necessarily see like when you watch the NBA. Until the playoff comes, they just go through the motions. So that's why an 8 seed or a 16 seed will beat a number 1 seed because of passion. Excited. And it's amazing, even the passion is not only in the players, but also in the fans. Man, I'm not one of those, never have been, but I enjoy watching good, passionate fans. We love it. I think it's in the church that we love. We are are good fans. You know, as as, as those... All the terms fill up. The pride of the school comes on. The game goes on. It's extremely exciting. Even Nebraska, and we don't win basketball very much, but it's very exciting to be there, isn't it? But only a few players are really in the game. We learn, win or lose. Thousands of people get all upset or excited, but they're fans. It's only a few people that are getting it done. We need to jump from the fan ship of God's house. He's calling us to be right in the game. Bring that excitement from the outside. We love it when people get saved. When we hear lives change, All believers, I've never once met a believer that finds out that someone else came to Christ that they say, like, oh, that's too bad. We get very excited about that. But let's not be cheerleaders because Christ is inviting us to the to the game. Bring that energy, bring that enthusiasm, compelling people to come. I was convicted. One day I was here in the church just praying. And uh, sometimes I'd come in, if I'm tired of sitting down, I'll come in and just start walking and praying. And then I opened this. Can could you bring that? I opened this. Um, I said, I'm, I'm going to show you our daddy laundry. If you're new, come on, we we'll are just start open here. I saw a bunch of stack of chairs like this sitting in here. <clears throat> this is not the only stack. There's a few more, but we'll just stick with this. And the Lord really convicted me because every one of these chairs were bought by sacrificial offerings, believing that each one, be, be, each one represents a soul that Christ will save, a soul that would come in unified voice and worship God, a soul that can be rejuvenated by the power of God. Every one of them are bought with that intent. People gave sacrificially. Just when you think you've gave enough, they'll push a little bit more to give. Why? Because of that goal we want to see people in Lincoln serving Jesus. You realize that to this morning if every church in town was filled up to capacity there will still be 180,000 people not at church. I thought we don't have no business having these seats. In fact we need more storage. We need some empty room. We need a place to pray. We need some empty room. Guess what? The master is looking at us and he's saying, Go invite all those that I called to the banquet. Oh, well, master, they can't come for whatever reason. Well, invite others, the poor, the lame, the whatever. Say, Well, they came, but there's still some empty spots. Because go get anyone and invite them to come. And I started praying for the seats. Say, Lord, help us. To not take for granted what we have. That we can come and just worship God for us. All the disciples that we heard when they saw Jesus, when they got the revelation of the resurrected Christ, the one told, hey, now you're saved. This is awesome. Now Christ is alive in you. They were told to go and tell others because it wasn't just for them what you've received is also belongs to somebody else. Somebody else, you never know the person, the child that you bring in your neighborhood. You never know the neighbor that you bring. You never know how God will use them. You might bring one person, but God would use them, turn their life around, and they'll bring be a doorway for many, many, many people to come to the kingdom. You might bring a grandparent who leads a, a grandchild to the Lord, and the grandchild becomes the biggest evangelist that America has ever seen. Because you went and compelled them to come. I'm saying church, in fact right now, I'm gonna ask you to stand. I need more men to help. This I'm just going, I'm just flowing by the Spirit. This was not planned. Get more chairs. I want us to pray for these chairs. I want us to pray today for people in Lincoln, Nebraska who do not know Christ. Young people. Young people that are tired of religion. It's not doing it for them. It's not hitting home. They're looking for the reality of Christ. Who they are not drawn to religion. But if they can know that Christ is alive, that their lives can turn around, that Christ can turn their lives around. That they will live for that Christ. I say this with so much conviction because I came to Christ as a young man. I was a teenager. I'd gone to church all my life. I knew about the Bible. But one day, the true Christ (laughs) was revealed. Jesus alive. Turned my life completely around. Took hopelessness, fear of my future, fear of my career. What's going to happen to me? And he brought new life to me. And I won hundreds of young people to Christ. My friends and I that would come to, go, to, to Christ, we were saved. We didn't know a lot. We were kids. We were kids. I'm telling you, if you're a teenager here thinking that, oh, I'm going to wait till I'm an adult to get really passionate about God. Boy, you're missing out because God can use you right now. In fact, God can use you to challenge adults. We were young kids, passionate for Jesus We'll read through the Bible and we'll pray for all our friends. My friend Dickens and I, we would write the names of all the kids in the neighborhood. And we knew all sorts of things that they were into. And every afternoon we'll come and pray and some will pray for every one of them. We knew what they were into and we will pray for them. My brother Sam is here, he's a witness. Because he was one of the kids that came and got saved at that time. I met Christ at that time. And we turned the whole neighborhood around. We want pastors, we want trained, we want what? We found that Jesus is alive. And that if we loved him with all our hearts, he can change your life around. And we got the entire neighborhood turned around. Hundreds of kids and parents were looking at these kids. These kids that wanted to party, that would get in trouble. Now all they want to do is go to church, go to prayer meeting, go to Bible study, go to this, go to evangelism. All these kids, Catholic, Lutheran, um, uh, um, Anglican, all sorts, they're coming. They don't care for parties. They don't care for alcohol. They don't care for all this stuff. They don't care for trouble. And parents started coming to Christ. Because they could see what was happening in the lives of the kids. There are many young men and women in Lincoln that are just as I was as a young man gone to church all my life. I was taught religion. I understood many things. But I didn't know that Christ is alive. I didn't know that that, what that meant to me personally. I might have known that mentally. It was taught to me as a young child. But it had not become real a reality in my life. And Christ is real today as he was 2,000 years ago. The impact that he made in the lives of the disciples then, he's still doing it now. And I want us to pray tonight upon these altars. In fact, I'm going to invite, you to pray from there, stretch your hand. If you feel compelled to come over. I want us to lay hands on these chairs and believe that the house of the master will be full of people worshiping God. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Let's just begin to praise Him right now. And we're going to pray together. Stretch your hand where you are. Come to the front. And let's just believe today that as we go and tell and compel them to come, that they will come and they will meet Christ. Oh, they I'm a son, there I am a All over this place, I want to hear voices of saints lifted up to us heaven. Begin to call on the name of the Lord. Begin to call on names, people, friends in the community, people that you walk with. Pray for them that they need to be in the house of the Lord. They need to come to Christ. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you this morning as your people. We thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you went to the cross in Calvary. You died on the rugged cross, Lord. You paid the price for the sins of the earth. That all who believe in you will not perish but have everlasting life. And Father, we cry out for our city. We cry out for Lincoln, Nebraska. We cry out for the community that you planted us, Lord. Father, our community is a community that has rich Christian heritage. It has rich religious heritage, oh God. But our young people are falling away, Lord. Our young people are lost in alcohol and drugs and all sorts of sexual sin, Lord. And we call them out today in the name of Jesus that you move in our city. That you move in this city from the north to the south, the east and the west. We ask for the Spirit of God to move. Turning lives around, oh God. Turning all family trees around, God, in the name of Jesus. We believe that every chair here represents a young man, a woman, an old man, a young woman, Lord. Every age, every demographic, every social demographic. Rich, poor, black, white, it doesn't matter. All of God's people represented in this city. We ask that more will come. That will come and meet the reality of the risen Christ. That they will find uh, you to be faithful uh, in the name of Jesus. We pray for revival in Lincoln, Nebraska. We pray for revival in the name of Jesus. We ask that the church will arise. Every place uh, that Jesus Christ is being preached in this city. Every house, every church uh, that's preaching, preaching Jesus Christ today. That many people will come, will come to the knowledge of Christ. In the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. Now we take authority over every lie of the enemy. We take authority over every spiritual bondage in our city. In the name of Jesus. We come against the spirit of religiosity. We come against pride and insecurity. We come against every stronghold of the enemy. By the blood of Jesus. What the blood that was shed on the cross. When you declared Lord Jesus that it is finished. We declare in our city. No longer spirit of religion. That Jesus Christ is Lord of Lincoln. Jesus Christ is Lord of Nebraska. Jesus Christ is Lord of the USA. Jesus Christ is Lord of this generation in the name of Jesus let your spirit move let there be a new wave of your spirit God we pray in the name of Jesus thank you Lord thank you Lord in the name of Jesus come on give him praise in the house give him praise give him glory in the house he's worthy to be praised he's worthy to be praised Jesus is Lord hallelujah oh let the praises of God rise he said if I be lifted up I would draw all men me come on lift him up lift him up lift him up in the name of Jesus if I be lifted up on the earth I will draw all men to me says the Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord Easter is coming they say the most attended times in church is Easter and Christmas but sometimes it's centered around an event That's why we haven't done a big display of Easter. And I'll tell you why. We could. But we're not wanting to just invite people to an event. We want people to come and meet Christ. Every time we come and gather, we give an opportunity for people to come to Christ. And every time people are saved. One, two, three. I believe we could turn this around. If we all begin to go and tell that two and three will be five and six, and five and ten, twenty and fifteen... And people will come to Christ. When God's people began to say, Hey, I'm going to go and tell. All of us. People will come to Christ. On my way back, I'm going to share one uh, uh, story before we pray and get to worship here together. And on my way back from Guatemala, I came to, to, my connection was through Houston. Came back scrambling. My flight had, was delayed like three hours. The next one, I'm thinking, I don't want to spend the night here. I'm ready to go home. You know, when you have a three-week baby, they turn so quick. So one week was really a little too long. And I get on the plane, the last one, and you know, I scramble, found a plane that was on the runway, ready to go. And I was able to get on it. That, that, and I got home. But another man sat next to me. And we're talking. Good man from Omaha, actually from Fremont. And we're talking and he's telling me he's coming from Mexico, adopting a child uh, there. His wife is there. And he spent the whole night, of, last night at Houston because he missed his connection. And tells me all this crazy stuff that happened for him when he was out in Mexico. And we talked, we connected, had a really good conversation. And, uh, and I'm thinking, hey, go and tell. <laughs> I was preparing my message and I'm thinking, okay, does this guy know Christ? He sounds like a very good man. And he was a good man. And I just went to the question. I said, tell me, where's your relationship with God? What was funny? (laughs) I got to tell you this. We had some bad turbulence. (laughs) Woo! I'm thinking. And that's the morning, right before I got on the plane, I just read that the full plane in France went down. I'm thinking, gee Lord, Jesus, uh, I'm going to stand and preach here <laughs> to make sure everybody's going to get saved. And we had some terrible turbulence. And he goes, man, what if it just goes down like the front? It must be the day, you know. I know where I'm going, you know. <laughs> but I don't know if the guy that I just connected to, is he going to be in heaven or not? And just ask the question. I didn't preach to him. I just asked the one question. And you know what? Sometimes that amplifies it. Sometimes we go everywhere, but the question like the boyfriend that hangs around for 20 million years, never proposes. (laughs) Anyway, I said, where's your relationship with God? Because because what what do you mean? I said, so, if this is it, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? And he paused for a long time. Just thought, it's a process. Wow. You probably said, what a strange question. It came out of nowhere. I didn't look for a perfect opportunity. I just hemmed. And you know what? It changed our conversation that day. And he thought for a moment, he You know, I think heaven. I think heaven. And then he said, Yeah, I think heaven. I said, Wow, oh, that's good. So why, why, why do you think heaven? And instead he of telling me, You know, I try to go to church whenever I can. And, you know, when I get really. Do some bad stuff or whatever. I I, I asked the Lord to forgive me. You know, um, like last week I I had a, got in a big argument with my dad, and um, and I and I asked the Lord to forgive me. And so I I think heaven because of that. I say okay. So if you, what you're telling me is that when you analyze your life, if you are to put your goods, the good works, all the good things you've done, and you measure them up with your bad things. Your good outweighs your bad. Is that right? He says, exactly. I said, that's very interesting. Because I say, from the very time, first time I talked to you, I could tell you're a good man. Unfortunately, there are many good men that will live in eternal damnation. Because our goodness, our righteousness is like filth rags. Nothing. We cannot earn our salvation. It's only through Christ Jesus that we can. And unfortunately, fortunately, there are a lot of bad men that we'll see in heaven, because when it came down to it, they surrendered to Christ. We need to bring all those good people to Christ. We I don't want to see any good people going to hell. I want them to know Jesus. Amen. Amen. And you should be feel the same way about that. I want us to pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Raise your hands to us, heaven. I want to pray. If you need just an impartation. A boldness to begin to be a witness for Christ. I want to receive. There is an Holy Spirit infusion on the church this morning. Father, I pray right now that there to be a deposit of the Holy Spirit that imparts to us boldness and courage to go and tell of the risen Christ. Give us, Lord, the wisdom and also the fire, the passion for you, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Deposit in us. Only that which you can do by your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Still as we pray, I want to pray for other special people. You might be here this morning. Let's just continue to bow our heads and pray. Maybe you, I'm talking about you going and telling. But your life is not right with Christ right now. You are not sure like that man. You think heaven, but you're not sure. This morning is an opportunity for you to come to Christ. You don't have to live without any doubt. And Christ is here right now. That's you. You want to give your heart to Jesus. You want to surrender to Jesus today. Give Him your heart. I want you to show me by your hand where you are. And I'm going to pray for you also. I cannot close the service without giving you that opportunity. Because Christ wants to come into your life. And give you newness of life today. Anybody. Set your hand so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'll watch. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? You want to give your heart to Jesus today. He loves you. He would go on the cross just for you alone if he had to. If you were the only person, he'd do it over and over again for you. And today he's inviting you to his kingdom. Anybody else? Thank you. God bless you. You can put your hand. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Church, I want us to pray. In fact, I'm going to lead us in a uniform prayer. So we can pray with those that indicated by a show of hands that they want Jesus into their lives. I want you to pray after me. I say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. I thank you for your sacrifice dying my death on the cross. I ask you today, Lord, To forgive me of my sins. sins. I accept your gift of salvation.
1: salvation.
0: And I welcome you into my life. life. Be the Lord and the leader of my life. life. I accept you as my Savior. savior. In Jesus' name. name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you pray that prayer, with sincerity in your heart, you're born again. Let the enemy not lie to you anymore. You are a child of God and it's been marked in heaven. And in fact, right now, there's a celebration in heaven going on just for you. And we rejoice with the angels. Amen. They're going to lead us in a few songs. I want us to worship God together. And with a few songs here. As we worship, these altars are open. The chairs can stay there. But I want to encourage this next part of worship is going to be interactive. People are going to be here to pray. You need to talk to somebody. You have someone pray with you. You come on. But we're going to sing a few songs together and worship. And I'll come back and we can close the service. Amen.
1: Grace, what have you done? Murdered for me on that cross. Accused in absence of wrong. My sin washed away in your blood, too much to make sense of it all. I know that your love breaks my fall. The scandal of grace, you died in my place, so my soul. has taught me, me. to together. All to be like you. All, all to be you. like you. Give all I have just to know you. Jesus, Because of your love and my soul. Oh. Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest, oh God, we worship you, we lift up your name today, oh God, we lift up your name, oh God, hallelujah. Let's all sing this with one voice. Sing to you
0: God in heaven. Praise the Lord. Amen. Can we give him a shout one more time? Come on. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So this week, let's go out. Let the house be filled. Let's get all these chairs filled up with people coming to worship God. And even more. And even more. Come on now. It's about time we start buying new chairs. Because people are coming. I want to pray for you um, before we go. And uh, if you committed your life to Christ, if you gave your heart to Christ, what you need to do, you will need to tell someone. In fact, I'm going to tell some of the guys um, that, that were praying here. Touch one of us. We have something to give you. We want you to be able to, to, to learn about the Lord and be able to be strong in your, in your faith. So you did something important today, but touch, talk to someone about it and we'll get you, make sure we get you something in your hands that would help you. Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you for the wonderful gift of salvation that we have. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. As we close this service, Father, I want to pray a blessing over your people. Many people come here today. We can't talk about every need that's represented. There are those that have things, issues in their home, issues in their families. Oh God, maybe a job situation, maybe a relationship situation. Lord, you know every need that we have. Have those that have concerns about their health or the health of that one of a person they love. I pray today, as we walk out of this place, Lord, that you touch everyone, that you bless everyone at the point of their need. Father, we know that with you, all things are possible, and I pray that this will be a week of great possibilities, great opportunities, oh God, and miracles happening in people's lives. Go with your people as they go out into their week. Let the blessing of the Lord follow them and overtake them, Lord. All blessings that overflow in the name of Jesus, in every home and in every individual's life. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week in Jesus Christ.
1: Holy One. Holy one let your glow Lord...